0: Welcome to the Paychex HR Leadership Series. I'm your host, Rob Parsons. I lead the content team here at Paychex, and we write extensively on a variety of HR topics, covering everything from HCM technology, to team engagement, to compliance with state and federal regulations. Joining me today is Josh Burson. Josh is a global research analyst, public speaker, and writer on the topics of corporate human resources, talent management, recruiting, leadership, technology, and the intersection between work and life. He also advises a variety of HR and learning companies to help them align their products and services toward the needs of their corporate buyers. Josh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Rob. It's nice to be here and talk about what's going on in this crazy world. Yeah. yeah. We've started uh, in our family, we have just started calling it COVID
0: times. It's, it's
1: definitely a unique time, that's for sure. I've never been through this before.
0: It's, it's interesting, when we last spoke, um, you were prepping for the Burson Academy's
1: live event, the Big Reset Town Hall. Um, how did that go? Well, really, really spectacularly well. There's so much going on at work, and in the workplace, uh, in organizations, and HR has played such a huge role in the pandemic and stepped up and really been given incredible amounts of responsibility. We had um, seven large companies go through their pandemic response strategies and what they've done for their people and their workplaces and their policies. Um, and we're doing it again. We're actually doing a whole nother sprint on the same thing. And then we're adding a whole big focus on racial injustice and diversity and inclusion and fairness, which is another big topic that's come out of this. Um, so... Uh, it's, an inspi- it's an inspiring time to be in HR. A little bit tiring, but, you know, I think most of us are dealing with it. <laughs> yes, no
0: question. We actually have a meeting uh, scheduled for 9 in the morning on Saturday uh, because we know the Congress and 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 the government will will drop some new regulations on us that we have to be ready to respond to.
1: Oh, and then you guys have to suddenly turn everything on.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like what you talked about, the, the increased responsibility of HR professionals. We just released our Pulse of HR survey mm-hmm. for 2020, and, and a big theme came out. Instead of HR wants a seat at the table, it appears that HR now has a seat on the table, whether they
1: want it or not. No, yeah, this, this, this question of whether HR has a seat at the table is de- basically answered. Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, HR is now at the table with IT finance, operations, safety, facilities, um, and bolted together with all of these you know, back office or functional areas to try to figure out how to transform the company. And I think we're, we're in a stage now where it isn't just uh, taking care of people and, and, and health and safety and hygiene, it's really transforming the company, whatever it, in industry you're in or business you're in, to adapt to different customer needs and of course, the needs of the employees in responding to that. And it's, um, you know, something that most companies probably didn't expect to be doing this year, but, um, but it's happening very quickly and HR is in- integrally involved. Um, so we don't have to debate whether we're at a seat at the table anymore. <laughs> no, sir. And our, um, I know our own HR teams,
0: they've been calling it forced evolution. They, they, this was they knew this was coming. yeah it just it just came a little bit more quickly than they anticipated.
1: Well, you know, and the, the word evolution is good because it's it's not like mo- many of the things that are coming up are new. I mean, I don't think most HR people studied public health or epidemiology or things like that, and we're actually starting to build some programs like that in our academy. But eighty percent of what we're dealing with is topics that we already knew a lot about but we were maybe slow rolling them and working on them piece by piece and now we have to work on them immediately. So well-being, uh, mental and physical resilience, uh, dealing with work at home, family, work life, uh, kids not going to school and being in the house, um, you know, not knowing where to go, when in the office or in the store or in the location and, and the policies changing all the time. These are kind of like problems in HR that we were kind of dealing with slowly that now we're dealing with overnight. And, you know, I think what's been positive about it is most HR professionals I talk to have found that they now have the freedom to make decisions quickly and iteratively as opposed to, well, let's check this and let's wait and let's talk about it some more and maybe we'll do it next year. Uh Uh-uh. (laughs) we're doing it next Mm -hmm. week and then we're going to monitor it and we're going to fix it the next day if there's anything wrong, um, which is a healthy change. It it certainly is. I do love the idea of, of moving quickly and course
0: correcting and being agile and being responsive. In fact, that's something that we've, we've been hearing throughout that not just the HR teams, but leadership throughout the entire organization needs to have that same kind of mindset.
1: Yeah, and it gets and it gets to the issue. Of one of the things which you guys do is is having good technology is now an essential or or really you know mandatory part of this. Um, I don't think too many CEOs or general managers are going to be happy when the HR person says, "Well, I really can't do that because I'm too busy or it's going to take me too long." There's no excuse for that. So so the platforms like Paychex that you guys have built over the years are becoming you know, enabling tools for all of these changes that are going on in companies from safety to leadership to pay to rewards. And, and we don't have to debate whether you need it anymore. We just, we're just using them.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And we've been seeing it across many of the technologies we've been using. There's a lot of functionality that we didn't take advantage of. There was a lot of, a lot of capability in these tools and, and we're even seeing it with our own client base Getting better use out of the platform because they have to.
1: Well, you know, and, and the you know the design point of HR technology for many years was transactional. So here's a form, you fill it in, and then it goes into some database, and then everybody can run reports. That's a piece of it, but th- yeah, that's probably 15 or 20 percent at the most. Now it's we need a workflow that um, you know models the way we do something: training, onboarding, recruiting whatever it is performance management and we need to be able to modify it and tweak it based on what's going on in the company now versus what we maybe thought we needed when we bought it so you know the the hr platforms like what you guys do are much more flexible than they ever were in the past so we're being we're we're able to use them for new things i talked to a company in the early days of the pandemic who said i don't remember what platform they were using but we went we went home over the weekend and we found that our onboarding system was a pretty good system for employee communications on new policies for the pandemic. So we just stuck all our content in there and told people to go into the onboarding system to find all this. And it worked out fine. Um, so that's an example of how it's changed. I, I like that. And you do you definitely you know,
0: cut your teeth and made your name in that HR technology space. Have you seen other technologies really coming into the, you know, as an HR leader, are there other technologies that need to come into my portfolio, into my, into my uh, my worldview now, um, to help me do my job more effectively?
1: Yeah, I think there's maybe three big changes in tech that that everybody needs to be aware of. One is the collaboration tools like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Slack, Workplace by Facebook, um, you know, Yammer, whatever you may use. Are now um, vital communication and learning tools. They're not just messaging. You know, whenever you want to get out a new policy or a new process or you want to inform people about something, you have all these communication tools to use. So pick one, standardize on it, and make sure people know where to go. As opposed to, you know, companies tended to build, well, you know, the engineers are using this and the salespeople are using Salesforce and somebody else is using this. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got all these little things going on. And then when you try to roll something out to the whole company, um, you don't know where you create another system for that. So, so that's, that, that's a big change. And that's why tools like Microsoft Teams have been taking off so quickly. The second is there's a vast amount of learning going on. That looks like information, but it's also learning so one of the things that came out of your you know your survey was how much people want to be informed they want to know you know what offices are open, what's the policy for this, uh you know what's happening in this city, what's happening in this state this country um, but then they want to know more about that, not only the email on what happened, but what do I need to do about it, or what is the implication to me, or what do I need to know in my job relevant to that so Videos, stories, podcasts, those are sort of learning things that are also becoming very, very important parts of the pandemic response. Um, And then the third is um, what we have started to call employee experience platforms that used to be more like case management tools where, you know, my computer's broken, I need a new laptop, or I need, you know, my password reset. I go into a website, I type a little query, it goes to some IT person, and they come back. Those are turning into um, workflow management systems that can not only take that case, but say, oh, as a result of filling out that case, I'm gonna send you to this person who's already solved that case and they're gonna give you an answer. Um, Those are all happening and they were all um, product areas that were evolving already before the pandemic that are making it easier and easier and easier to manage all these changes. Um, And then the fourth thing I would just mention is data. You know, not only who's on the payroll and how much money I'm making, but uh, who's home, who's on vacation, who's traveling, who might have uh, elderly parents in their home relative to the new office that's opening up. I talked to a company the other day in the UK that has a a bunch of restaurants around the UK, and they wanted to staff employees so they wouldn't have to take public transportation to get to work because people didn't trust public transportation right now. So they created a little application using Google Maps. They could find the store that was close enough, closest to any employee, any employee could use this little application, um, and then see if there was a staffing opportunity for them to work in that store, given their role and the skills they have, and then it would schedule them automatically. So they wouldn't have to get on a bus, go across town and potentially get infected to go get to their traditional location. That was an application. They told me somebody kind of hacked that up in two or three days um, using an op- sort of a, a communication platform that they already had. Those are things that uh, I think every company has opportunities like that, you know, using the data that's available inside the company for this, uh, this new world of pandemic response and, and you know, customer transfer- transformation. I
0: really love that last story, too, because it, it really lets you know that innovation isn't just a new piece of technology. Um, it's how you're bringing it to bear on the problems. It's solving problems in new ways. It's really opening up your minds, um, to the possibilities.
1: And, you know, and that gets to the issue of the HR, uh, role a little bit. Um, and I know a lot of your clients are smaller companies, but I I think the, one of the things that's been happening for years, and it's also being accelerated by the pandemic is that HR professionals are problem solvers. They're not administrators some of them may have drifted into HR because of their administrative jobs and their administrative roles but what we're seeing in almost every company now is uh, yes we need to do these transactions and pay people and get the bonuses taken care of and the benefits administered and so forth and we have a special case over here and why don't you think about how we're gonna pay people for working at home And what are we going to do about hours when people can't come to work during the day because their kids are home? I mean, these are consultative uh, questions that are being asked of HR teams. And whether you feel that you are capable of that in the past or not, this is your job. And most HR people have tremendous amounts of um, insight into the people side of the company that they can do this. So um, so I think most HR professionals are being, you know, their, their roles are raising and their level of responsibility is going up and they're having the opportunity to, to really take advantage of all the skills they have in very, very different ways. I, I think that's great. And, and another, to
0: jump off of that or layer I'm seeing is this idea of, of employee engagement. I know on Burson.com you've got articles on how engagement's been rising. The Pulse of HR survey, we see engagement is rising. So HR professionals are are doing something right.
1: Well, there's a kind of a funny, it's like a hyper-engagement problem. People are very engaged. Well, first of all, it it started with the businesses in general. Most CEOs and general managers have become very empathetic. I call CEO the chief empathy officer now because they really realize that if we can't make the workplace comfortable for customers, and that is, you know, if you're a restaurant or whatever business you're in they're not going to come. Ditto for employees. So, so the executives are basically, you know, now realizing that that's their number one goal that's laying on to the HR team. Uh, help me figure out how to do this. And, um, and the employees are saying, wow, the company's bending over backwards for me. It's letting me work at home. Maybe give me a little bit of a bonus or giving me some new benefits um, and I'm not commuting. So I have more time. So now I'm working, 10 hours a day instead of eight hours a day. And I'm kind of tired. So I kind of like my job and I like my company and I like my work, but I'm a little bit fried at the same time. So there was just a study that came out yesterday. Some, some PhDs did a bunch of analysis of emails and stuff and they found that the average um, you know, you know, office type worker is working 48 minutes longer every day Than they did before the pandemic i think most of us would say it's more like an hour and a half to two hours is what it feels like so it's high engagement and um high degrees of fatigue so we've got to give people pace and a little bit of a rhythm to this because we can't work you know look a lot of people haven't even had vacation yet this year because they didn't have any place to go so, um, you know, it's going to be the fall before you know it. So I think the month of August is a little bit of a pause for a lot of companies where people are going to take a little bit of a rest. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to
0: touch back on, on something you've mentioned about smaller companies because it's smaller companies don't have some of those luxuries that larger companies have to, to invest in technologies, to make these things happen, to extend things out to teams. What advice would you give for that? you know, let's call it the HR department of one who, who was trying to juggle these, these very real needs they're facing.
1: Well, I mean, I, I have a small company. The company that I lead is not that big. I, I, I think it comes down to realizing that every ind, especially in a small company, and this is true in a big company too, every individual has their own personal needs, challenges, stresses, fears, concerns about the pandemic and if you listen to them and be patient with them and spend a little bit of time accommodating them, it will pay off. We, nobody comes to work and wants to do a bad job. Nobody wants the company to fail. Nobody wants to, keep the, to hurt the customers. Nobody wants to provide poor service. But when we have all these other distractions in our lives and concerns we would like the company to understand that. So if you're a small company, you can do that on a one-on-one basis. You can talk to people regularly, you can listen to them, you can make small accommodations for the personal issues they might have. Um, and that doesn't require buying a bunch of software and doing all sorts of fancy things. Um, so I think a lot of it's just listening. And you know, as an executive and as a leader, um, spending a little more time listening and less time talking will make people feel a little bit better especially if you have young people in your company, young people, a lot of young people are, you know, they have roommates, they don't get to go to the office and hang around with their friends at work. Uh, You know, maybe they're not married. They can't date right now. I mean,
0: (laughs) everybody's got
1: issues caused (laughs) by the pandemic. And I think what we want employers to do is just listen and uh, make people know that we do care about them. We can't fix all these problems, but the fact that the organization cares and is trying is, is enough people understand that so that that's something any company can do. And I really like um, I want to talk about the
0: Burson Academy a little bit here sure because because a lot of HR leaders do feel a bit on an island they have to be for every they for everyone but who's there for them? Um, so I want you to touch on the Burson Academy because in in addition to all the resources you have, there's some networking and some collaboration there where they might be able to find some like-minded individuals who can help out with some challenges so why don't you touch on that a little sure bit.
1: you know i started the academy about a year and a half or two years ago and it's been explosively growing and in the, the the problem we're trying to solve is, is it's an interesting problem it's it's it reminds me of the military i used to work for a guy was a, it was an admiral in the navy and he said basically we only do two things in the military we fight and we train and when we're not fighting we're training so to some degree we have the same thing in hr when you're not solving a problem, you should be educating yourself on what's going on. I mean, we are in a vastly expanding, um, lo- you know, world of issues in HR. Pay, benefits, rewards is the simplest. We've got safety, mental resilience, leadership, education, um, you know, workplace policies, safety, hygiene, on and on and on and on and on um, and on you know, most HR people entered HR for one of two reasons. One is they just liked being with people and they wanted to be in a part of the business. that's was very people centric, or they had a particular skill in some area. They were a trainer or a recruiter or a payroll person and they just went into the HR profession. Well, you can't do that anymore. You have to broaden yourself and understand these, these new topics. And so what we do in the Academy is we have, um, you know, quite a few. We have 60 or 70 hours of formal training now and a whole bunch of informal stuff where you can go in there and uh, learn about dozens and dozens of topics in different areas of HR, everything from learning and agile performance management to resilience to well being, and collaborate with other HR people in the process. And so the learning experience is designed to be collaborative because no one. Uh, template fits every company. So while you're learning about the domain and the best practices, you're also collaborating with other people and seeing what they're doing. So we find in our academy, there's about about 12, we get about a thousand new members a month now. So there's a lot of people joining it. And uh, the average uh, academy member meets six of their peers during their first six months in the academy through the connections. So Part of this is is getting to know what other companies are doing because we're all inventing things as fast as we can. So that's really what the Academy is designed to do. And, um, you know, I know HR people are busy. I mean, nobody wants to sit around and take courses all day. This is designed to be a place where you can go, spend 10 minutes, uh, learn as much as you can, go back to work, come back later. I mean, it's designed to be both a micro learning and a macro learning experience and, I encourage people to go and thank you for letting me bring it up, Rob. <laughs> oh, my pleasure.
0: I think it's great, and I I think the timing couldn't have been better. I mean, think about what we're missing out on with Sherm not happening this year, uh, with HR Tech not happening That's true. this year. Yeah, where we would we would interact with our peers, we would go to the sessions, we would see speakers like you, we would get information, we'd have a chance to to expand our minds instead of just in the day to day.
1: Well, and there's a lot of, you know, the other thing I would add is we do a lot of live events online, like what you and I are doing right now. And people tend to find time for that. I mean, not everybody yeah. can go to everything, but uh, you know, one hour a week, one hour every two weeks to go to an event with a bunch of other HR people and talk to them and learn. It makes you feel better. You feel more connected. You you have much more, um, you know, sense of connectivity to the rest of the profession. So um yeah, that's kind of what we're living with right now.
0: Yes, for sure. Well, we're starting to run up against it here. Um, as we wrap up, are there any parting thoughts or anything you'd want to leave the audience with uh, as we look to these next six to eight months? What's I, I know I know you
1: can't you don't have a crystal ball, um, but what
0: should I be thinking about? What's next?
1: Well, I'll give you guys some. Uh, one thing to think about, I've, I've been doing some work with Marty Seligman, who's the father of positive psychology, and he taught me some things I want to share. Um, we are in a time of uncertainty. Uh, it's not going to be easy for you to tell people we know what's going to happen in three months or six months. We really don't. Nobody really does. Um, so what we need to do is give people a sense of a positive outlook in the future. And as he describes it, it's basically three things. Number one is optimism. So give people a plan that's credible and reasonable that they feel they can follow. So they know that the company has some vision of what's going to happen over the next year. That's positive. And that doesn't have to be, you know, overly optimistic, but just realistic. The second is give people time for joy Turn off the TV, turn off Twitter, turn off the news, have a little fun, tell some jokes, play some music, uh, let people, you know, enjoy the life. We do have a little bit of a different life right now. You know, the environment's a little bit better. It's not as much traffic. There are some good things about all this. And the third is to prevent trauma. Uh, What his research shows is what what does, um, you know, you know, cause PTSD and military problems and so forth is when really bad things happen. So so one of our jobs in HR is to watch out for the problems that can turn into big problems. And so that's listening and empathizing and being more flexible than ever. And I think if you do those things and maintain a sense of uh, positive psychology for the next year, we'll come through this. Um, You know, the pandemic may get worse before it gets better. It sort of feels like that's where we are. But, um, but those things have been learned through um, years of positive psychology, studying what happens in war, what, what happens in the military. And we're in a little bit of that situation right now. And, and hopefully that helps you guys think a little bit about it from an HR perspective. That's great.
0: Thank you, Josh. And, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rob. To get more of Josh's thoughtful insights, visit joshburson.com. Uh, there's some really nice articles, some really good reads there. Uh, You should also check out bursonacademy.com. As Josh mentioned, it's a site full of tools, resources, and and a really nice community to help HR professionals prepare for today's very unique challenges. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Paychex HR Leadership Series. You can listen to all of our episodes on the most popular podcast platforms, as well as on paychex.com at paychex.com slash works slash podcasts. We also have the Paychex Business Series hosted by Gene Marks, where he talks with business owners and compliance and legal experts about the challenges facing businesses today. And you heard us mention the Pulse of HR survey. You can get your own copy of the report at payx.me Pulse 2020.
1: This podcast is Property of Paychex, Inc. 2020, all rights reserved.